0: Are you having a good day? Yeah. I tell you, I'm having a great day. Uh, this morning, we're going to have the Lord's Supper. This is very, uh, it's just a very special time. Uh, I've never in all my 57 years of being a Christian have never come to the Lord's Supper without a sense of reverence and a sense of joy. And I want to talk to you about that this morning. So turn with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 23 through 26. And basically, the word of God says this. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup. Now. I'm going to speak to this a little bit later. I don't know what translations you have, but I have got several translations. And some of the translations say a cup. That's really not the intent of this verse. It says the cup. And I'll explain that to you later. Uh, In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till He comes. So, the Lord's Supper, as we, as we partake of it, we need to have a spirit of seriousness. We shouldn't come to the Lord's Supper joking, or, but it, we ought to be serious. We ought to come with a sense of reverence. But at the same time, we need to come, it's not, it's not an either or, it's both and. We need to come with a sense of an attitude of joyful celebration. Because it's a time that we remember his death. We remember his resurrection. And, you know, I was thinking about this. In fact, Don and I had a conversation several weeks ago. And uh, I don't know if you know that Easter, I know you know this, is on April 1st, which is April Fool's Day. And so I'm writing an article for my local paper down in Sebring. And the uh, article is about Easter and God's resurrection, Jesus' resurrection. And I'm simply saying, folks, believe it or not, I'm not fooling. This is no joke. He rose again. So, we, so that's what we're celebrating this morning. So when we look at this, let us seek an attitude of both seriousness and celebration as we consider the sacredness of the experience before us. You know, we all have busy lives. We're, we're sometimes in this world we're in today, uh, you know, they told me computers were my friend. How many of you all believe that computers are your friend? I, I, I worked before we didn't have computers. We didn't even, we didn't have the word computer. You know, and if you had a computer, it took up the whole room because my do- my wife used to be a key punch operator for a huge corporation. That was her job to sit there all day and key in the different uh, situations on the card and then they place it in a computer and And I'm serious, it took the whole room. It's amazing. We, 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 now we have cell phones that are really many computers, but you know, they told me that the computer was going to make my life easier. <laughs> Y'all remember when we used to have 40-hour work weeks? We got those computers, and they said, okay. And I was given one, the first computer I have, a little laptop. And what I found out, I was working my regular day, and then I'd go home and get on the computer and work again. So instead of cutting my time, it just increased it. Now, y'all know what I'm talking about. If you got a computer, and I guarantee you, every one of you in here has a computer. And some of you have laptops. Now, just because I got gray hair and I'm years old, don't think I'm not on the cutting edge. AT&T has certified that I'm the most cutting-edge senior adult they ever met. I'm serious. I got it in writing. Because I, I put the at and uh, TV in and all this stuff and I said, now you're going to set up all my stuff. They said, we will, we will. I said, you promised me. And they said, they, they would. So it took them two hours to wire my house, get everything going, get my modem going, everything going. I said, okay, now you go set everything up. They said, what do you have? I said, I have two cell phones. I have three iPods. I have a computer upstairs for my wife when she was upstairs. I didn't want to have any free time so she could work upstairs. I got a computer out in the sunroom. I got a computer in my office. I have a Uh, HP laptop. I have a Surface Pro laptop. I have a uh, Apple, which I don't know how to use. I've been trying. But I've been trying. I hate that computer. But I use it in conferences because it's great when you're doing a conference and throwing slides up on it because it works better than the rest of them. So I'm on the cutting edge. But I shared all that with you so that you might understand that when we come this morning, we step aside from all our businesses, from, from all our activities. And even as I preach this morning, what I want you to do, I want you to be asking God to search your heart. That through His Holy Spirit, He might reveal anything that you need to confess. See, that's the beauty of being a Christian. You know, I don't have to go out and do all this stuff. When I do something wrong and, and God convicts me, I can just bow and say, Lord... I've messed up again. And praying is not these big elaborate prayers. It's just saying, talking to God like I'm talking to you. Lord, you know me. I'm your child. I've really messed up this time. It's just plain stupidity. But I'm going to ask you to forgive me. Because I'm your child. And the moment I confess, he forgives me. So this morning, before we take the Lord's Supper, I want you to spend a little time, even as you listen. Now, I don't want you to cut me off because I've worked long and hard. But I want you to listen to the sermon, but at the same time I want you to ask God to search your heart. And before we partake of the Lord's supper, I want you to confess your sins. And you don't have to confess them to one another. Confess them to God. That's who you confess to. You don't have to come through me to get absolution in your sins. That's God's business. That's not my business. I'm always willing to pray with you. But you do business with God. Because we're his children. And we can do that. So this morning, as we come to Lord's Supper, I want us to think about four things. I want us to consider that we're not only proclaiming his death and his resurrection. But I want to talk to you this morning about the four things that the Lord's Supper reveals. And the first thing is the death of Jesus reveals the awfulness of sin. Folks, sin is not something that we deal with lightly. And you know what? what really bothers me, especially the way I came up. I was thought, well, these are really, really, really bad sins, and, and and these aren't so bad. But I used to do a conference where I'd have people write down their sin. Not any, we'd separate, and I said, okay, I've been teaching you for four or five days. Now I want us to do business with God. And I want you, here's a white piece of paper. I want you to write down all your sins, anything that you that you feel that you've done that you shouldn't have done, or anything that you should have done that you didn't do. Write it down, and I want you to fold it up. And I used to carry a cross in, in, my, in my pickup, when I had my pickup, for these conferences. And I said, now, I want you to come to this cross, and I want you to nail those pieces of paper to the cross. Because Jesus took them at the cross. And then what I do, I used to give them to death. After every got done, we take all those pieces of paper, and we go outside, and we have a big old middle pan. And we put all those sheets of paper in that pan. And then we take lighter fluid. If I used to have so much fun, we'd take lighter fluid. <laughs> and then I'd stand back, and I'd toss a match in this big old bowl. What do you think happened? All those pieces of paper burn up. Do you know what a piece of white paper looks like when it's burned up? It's black. And I finished the conversation. He folks, you may think it's a little white lie. Only man grades sin. Well, this sin is worse than that sin. But I want you to know if I'm out on the golf course and I sink a, sink a three foot putt, and time I get home, I tell my wife, Man, you are so, I sunk a 20 foot putt. <laughs> now, those of you who are fishermen, don't laugh at us golfers. You catch a minnow, yeah. and time you get home, man, I caught me a whale. <laughs> Folks, that may be a little exaggerated, but that's a sin. It's a sin. If God says, do not lie, he means do not lie. And man looks at things that little white or little, no, no. God sees sin, whether it's a big one or a small one. And sin separates us from God. You know, the angel told Joseph, and see, that's the reason Jesus came. He came to take our sins upon himself. The angel told Joseph that Mary was going to have a son. And I want you to hear what he says in Matthew 121. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Who are his people? Let me change that. Who are his people? I've had that female shot. It misses me up. I feel my cancer. Here's the thing. Who are his people? It's all of us who receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. John the Baptist announced at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Peter, who had resisted the thought that Jesus must die, later interpreted that death in terms of its substitution. He took our sin upon himself, and he put his grace, his righteousness on us. Hear what Peter has to say in 2 Peter 24-25. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were strained like sheep. But have not, but now have returned to the shepherd and the seer of your souls. Now this is Peter. So at the cross we are confronted with the fact. That each of us is a sinner in need of God's forgiveness. I delight in blessing my daughter. As a father, I delight in blessing my grandkids. My great-grandkids, now you're going to say, how old is this turkey? But my great-grandchildren, you know, I thought grandchildren were great, but great-grandchildren are even better. And I just I just flip over backwards. I, I just can't do enough for them. And I'm an earthly father. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to... Sin is awful, but Jesus has paid the price for sin. And God delights in blessing you. But several years ago, I learned from an evangelist that had come to my church when I was in Georgia to do a revival for us. And you know, it's amazing how you learn things. I'd already had four and a half years of seminary, but I had never thought about this. When we prayed before the service, he simply prayed, Lord, today. As your child, let me bless you. I delight in blessing my family because my family blesses me. God delights in forgiving your sin. And do you think when you approach God saying, oh, God, you get really worried about what you're going to tell him. I used to. You know, I hadn't thought it out yet. And I'm thinking, oh, what's he going to think? I'm so awful. And then it dawned on me one day. As a layman, well, he already knows what I did. I, I'm never going to tell him anything that's going to surprise him. So I, I, I sat and I contemplated. My wife just thought I was staring out the window, but I was, con, 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 you know, I was thinking. And I thought, well, why do I need to confess my sin if he already knows him? Because so often we don't know what we've done. And he wants us to be aware of what we've done so we won't do it again. So we don't get in a habit of doing things. So, the first thing that the Lord's supper reveals to us is the awfulness of sin. Jesus had to die because of sin. But the second thing, the death of Jesus reveals, is the greatness of God's love for sinners. The Bible starts out every every Christian I've ever met. This is the first verse. This is the first verse I ever learned. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whoever, <clears throat> excuse me, whoever <laughs> believes on Him shall not perish but have Everlasting life. Paul declared to the Roman believers. But God showed his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, I've talked to so many people over the years. And they think, well, I got to get my life cleaned up. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not in a position yet where I can receive Christ. Because I've done so many awful things. Ladies and gentlemen, Satan will tell you that. If you wait till your life is in a situation where you feel that you'll be acceptable to God, you'll never come to God. You'll never come to God. God receives you just the way you are. God takes all that challenges of sin that around you, all the things you've done. And this, this is, my wife came to me years ago, years ago. Most of you weren't even born yet. And she said, Herb, I really know that you're a Christian. I said, Why? She says, I've watched you over this last year. You quit smoking. I said, yeah, it started to bother me. You quit cussing. I said, that really bothered me. You quit drinking. I said, yeah, I I don't want to do that anymore. And it dawned on me, I wasn't even, I mean, little by little, things dropped off. And that was the Holy Spirit working in my life, and he's working in your life. But he just slowly changes your life. If you're a Christian and you profess to be a Christian and you're living the same. And let's say you've been a Christian 30 years and you live in the same life you did before you received Christ. I have to question, are you really saved? Because God changes lives and he doesn't do it. Now, I, I, I really admire those folks that have a testimony and say, I received Christ and boom, everything changed immediately. Didn't happen that way for me. It was a gross situation. Just like I got born when I was a little big fella. My mother says I was the slowest one she ever taught of. All of her children, tie my shoes. I just couldn't get it together. The rabbit goes here and the fox goes there. Didn't make any sense to me, you know. So I started wearing slippers. But anyway. (laughs) Anyway. It was a process. And it was a process in my life. Even to the point that I quit a great job because I could not break what my company that I worked for wanted me to do because my job was to entertain people. And a, and a 25-year-old should not have an unlimited expense account to take people to places that... You know, I said people come in town. They eat like pigs. They drink like fish. And they have the morals of an elder cat. And I said, I don't want to do this anymore. And so I left. Why was that? Because Jesus it come into my heart. So, we see how much God loves us. You know, only with the help of the Holy Spirit can we begin to understand with all the other saints, what, it, what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of the love of God that was revealed in Jesus Christ on the cross. You know, we live in an age... That human beings are dehumanized. Individuals are discounted. Their values discounted. A a person uh, may have a low self-esteem. I know what I'm talking about here because I had one for years. You know, every once in a while I have to change my wording because I have a tremendous... I really got a good vocabulary up here. I just can't get it out here. And people used to pick on me. I'm just, I'm going to preach what I know. And I just, I just had, used to have pity parties. And, oh, woe is me. And, and one day God revealed to me, he says, Herb, I made you just the way I wanted you. And I don't make junk. So your nose is on the side of your face. So you have a pimple over your eyebrow. You know, so what? You're exactly what I want you to be. And I made you for a purpose, and you can touch lives that other people can't touch because of the way of your imperfections. It took me long. And then it dawned on me. I'm a child of God. I'm part of the royal family. I may live in a boxcar now, or when I was a kid. I may have lived in the tenements. I may have lived in an orphanage. <laughs> But I'm going to live in a mansion one of these days. Amen. And it's already mine. And it's promised to me. So. God loved us so much. He sent Jesus Christ. And I, you just cannot imagine. What Christ went through. For our salvation. And you know a lot of people. You know they talk. You know, you know about his divine love. That, and he carried out his plan. And the salvation. But I want you to know something, and I heard this years ago. It was not an original thought with me. Those nails on the cross did not tie him to that cross. It was his love for you and me. Love kept him on that cross. And if God loves me that much, then I'm worth something. So God loves me so, so much. So let me carry on to the next point. The death of Jesus Christ reveals the value of a lost soul. You know, in the business world, I've been in the business world. I've owned my own company. I had guys working for me. I didn't pay them all the same. I didn't make every, everything. In the business world, the value of a person is often revealed by the price an employer is willing to pay for his services or her services. In some parts of the world, human life is considered very cheap. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm, just, I'm not preaching this today, but in our society, and I'm not picking on anybody. And and if you're here and and you you kind of fell into the fallacy of, of the world, America in a lot of ways devalue human beings. We have we have totally destroyed a whole generation. Elderly people are not respected. When I read my Bible, my Bible says, because I got gray hair, I have wisdom. That's not always true, but the Bible says that, so I'm going I'm to stand with the Bible, okay? But we need to respect the elderly. We're almost at the point now where we're practicing euthanasia. But God values you values so if you if you have a, a self esteem problem and you 're not thinking uh, uh, higher on yourself or you know you're having pity parties, all you got to do is go to Calvary. Just look at Calvary and see what God thinks of you He val- values you He loves you He loves you so much that even before the foundation of the world, he planned for a way. For you to come and become his child. To once again become a living soul. You see, God said, let us make man in our image. God is a triune personality. By, uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And you know, God liked to play it in the dirt. Did you all know that? He got in the dirt and he he formed this man out of the dirt. And ladies and, and gentlemen, that's why men are such stinkers. Because <laughs> we're made out of dirt. And the reason, the reason women are oh, so lovely and pure. They were made out of one thing, just a bone out of the rib. So guys, respect the ladies because they're much better than you are. But here's, here's the thing. And it says, he breathed into his nostrils and he became a living soul. A living soul. And then man rebelled against God in Adam. And on that day he died. He lost the spirit of God. So now we're born body and soul. But when you receive Christ, you once again receive the spirit of God. And once again, you become his child. You become not only his creation, but you become his friend. So we are a triune personality, body, soul, and spirit. And we are promised. A lot of times when I do funerals, I go to Ecclesiastes 7, chapter 7, verse 12. It says, the body must return to the ground from whence it came. But the spirit must return to God who gave it. Even in the Old Testament, they taught that we who have the spirit of God, who have trusted in the promise of God, will spend eternity with God. And then finally, my last point, in reclaiming Jesus' death, we revealed the only way to salvation. I had a conversation recently with an individual and I, you know, I'm, still praying for him, still having the dialogue, but he believes, and I think he got this from Oprah Winfrey because I heard her say the same thing. Some people call on God, Allah. Some call him Buddha. Some call him God. Some They're all the same person. <laughs> I have a word for you if you believe that. It's the same word that a gentleman in general used in World War II and the simple... Nuts. That's crazy. There are not many paths to God. There's only one path. And Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to God through me. You have to come through Christ. And I was sharing with a gentleman the other night, the same gentleman. I said, well, I'm not trying to be argumentative, but as I look, uh, Buddha died. And he's still dead. Mohammed died. And he's still dead. Confucius died. And he's still dead. But praise be to God, we have infallible proof that Jesus died. And the third day he rose again, and he's alive today. And he's doing miracles to his people. And he's touching lives. And he's just as alive today as he was The day he was resurrected. And he's coming back. And he's going to get us. But if he, you know, my prayer and, you know, y'all feel free to pray the same prayer. I say, Lord, I, even though I'm afraid of heights, I know you could do a miracle for me. And I really rather go in the rapture. But if I, if you want to call me home before then, let me go immediately with the good old fashioned heart attack. And let me fall on my face forward. I don't want to go backwards. As a diabetic, I don't want to go as piece of the time. So, boom, you know. But regardless how I go, (laughs) I'm going. So, it reveals salvation. Uh, Our Lord died because the wage of sin is death. Either we must die for our own sins. And get this. I I normally don't read my text. But our Lord died because the wage of sin is death. And either we must die for our own sins or we must accept the perfect substitute that God has offered us in Jesus today. I'm going to close my sermon with a little illustration, and then we'll do the Lord's Supper. But before I share this, I want everybody to raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. Be cooperative. That's good. I promise I will not tell anybody out of this room what Brother Herb's going to tell me today. Thank you. I wouldn't want anybody to know this. Do we have any police officers in the room? I was raised, as a teenager, I was in the, in the 50s. And if you did see any of those old movies, we used to do a lot of drag racing. We used to talk about who had the hottest car. And I had just got this 98 Oldsmobile. And me and my buddy were going back and forth. He said he had the fastest I said I had the fastest car. So we decided we'd settle it. So after school one day, we get out there. Somebody dropped their hand and we took off. Guess what? Guess who had the fastest car? My buddy. <laughs> guess, got, guess who got pulled over by the police officer? Me. And uh, he clocked me doing 70 miles an hour in a 15-mile school zone. Don't tell anybody. And uh, so I worried about that because the only thing I'd ever done to get in trouble for was talking class if you all can believe that, and chew gum. That was it. I was a clean-cut kid. So I, we all met later, and, man, I, was, I had this ticket, and I'd never gotten ticket, and I said, oh, my dad's going to kill me. I'm, oh, I'm in so much trouble. And this buddy of mine said, oh, Herb, you're such a worrywart. All you got to do, I've had tickets, but all you got to do is call down to the courthouse Give them the number on your ticket. They'll tell you what your fine is. You got to go to the post office and get a postal money order because they won't accept anything else. And you send it to them and it's, you're done because this is your first ticket. No big deal. I said, I can do that. So I called. And the lady said, uh, "Yeah, what, what is your ticket number? So I gave it to her. She says, let me go see what your fine is. <laughs> she comes back. She says, I'm sorry, young man. There's a note on your ticket that the judge wants to see you. Now I got to tell my dad. He took over work. He was not happy. I won't tell you the rest of the story, but he took off from work. And he went down there. They called my case. I stood in front of the judge. He's got scared me. I never, I dress in black because maybe I can be scary like he was. He looked at me and he said, we're tired of your, you hoodlums putting our kids in jeopardy. I said, hoodlum? I've never been a hoodlum. He says, I'm going to give you a fine so large and you either pay it today or you lose your license. Now, do you know what happens to a 16-year-old boy if he loses his license when he's in high school? He leads, he loses his after-school job because he can't get there. Two, he has to ride the school bus with all the nerds that later on are the bosses, you know. (laughs) I mean, I was a jock. I was an athlete. I was a football player. He loses his girlfriend because I'm going to tell you, girls do not like to sit on the handlebars of bicycles. (laughs) They just don't like it. And there was no way I could pay that fine. No way. Well, my dad stepped forward and he said, judge, I'll pay the fine. Now you'll see my point. Now, I could say, dad, I did the crime. I'll do my time. But dad, my dad didn't raise no fool. And I accepted his offer. He went up there. He paid, and there was a huge fine. He paid the fine. And they stamped my ticket paid in full. And there's no record in Orvada, Colorado, of me ever getting a ticket doing 70 and a 50 mile. Now, I wish I could sit and tell you I never got another ticket, but I can't do that. (laughs) But that's what Jesus did for us, He stepped forward. See, sin has got to be paid for. And he stepped forward and he said, Father, I'll take his punishment. And I hope if you're here today, and there's not been a point in time that you received Jesus Christ, that you'll be like me and not be a fool, and you'll accept his offer. Because he delights in people coming to him. He delights in people receiving the sacrifice that he's done on the cross. And so as we conclude and get ready for the Lord's Supper. Oh, I used to be able to do that easier. Here's a your welcome card. Please do me a favor and write your name and everything on there. So I know who I'm praying for. I pray regardless if they don't have any names, but I can't write you a note and, You can say, well, you don't have to worry about this because you're not writing a note this week anyway, Brotherhood. But I still would like to have uh, that, you know, just put your prayer request here. And if you'll print it, because some people have trouble writing. I'm not saying you do. And then what was your response today to what I preached? And what changes are you making in your life? And then right here, my decision today, I have decided... To surrender my life to Christ and become a, a person, have a personal relationship with Him. I like more information about East life. Um, I like to be baptized. If you've never been baptized by immersion after receiving Christ, baptism always comes after receiving Christ, and baptism is always by immersion according to Scripture. And one of these days, I'll preach on that. Uh, I'm interested in joining the church. And I like a visit from a pastor or from a minister. Guess who's coming? If you check that, so <laughs> please, please uh, do that, and uh, I would uh, very much appreciate it. Now, let the deacons come, and we're going to have the Lord's Supper. says, this is my body that's being broken for you. Take and eat all of it. So let's have a little prayer, and then the deacons are going to bring to you the bread. And then we'll talk about the cup. Let us pray. Father, I thank you that we have the privilege today to celebrate and remember your death on the cross. I pray Father we will come with a real sense of reverence they will not take this lightly, Lord. And then, Lord, I also pray that we come with great joy, knowing that you loved us so much that your Son took our sin upon Himself and took His righteousness and placed it on us. So that when you look at us, you don't see us in our sinfulness. You see us, Father, with the blood of Christ that covers us. So, Lord, today, Good supper. I pray and I ask you that we remember the cost of our salvation. And it was not a cost to us, it was a cost to your Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus is